Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Girl of Gen Z podcast. Today, I have a guest by the name of Abby Scott on the show. Abby is co-founder of coffee brand Coffee Over Cardio. Abby shares what it was like leaving her full-time job on Wall Street in New York to start a coffee company targeted towards the female coffee drinkers. She also speaks on her big move to Dallas, Texas, and shares her past experiences as a bikini competitor and her plan on competing going forward. Before we go ahead with the episode, if you could kindly take two minutes to rate this podcast five stars, preferably, and leave a review on the podcast app, that would be much appreciated. And if you're watching this on YouTube, if you could give the video a thumbs up, subscribe, and hit the notification bell, I'll forever be grateful. As always, the timestamps of the topics we cover in this episode will be listed in the episode show notes. Without further ado, let's get on into the episode. Hi, Abby. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming on. What's it like right now in Texas? Um, it's a pretty nice day out. It's been pretty hot recently. Um, starting to get into those upper 90s, breaking 100 summer weather that uh, Dallas is you know, known for. So... Um, which is funny because I have like a sweatshirt on right now. I was just going to say that. I was like, is the AC blasting in your house? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. It's so odd because it's so hot out, but everywhere you go, there's like this insane amount of AC. So you'll like go into a place and it's 65 degrees. So you're freezing. So you have to like bring a sweatshirt to go into Target. It's crazy. But our house isn't that cold, but I don't know. I just get cold easily. <laughs> yeah. No, I love hoodies too. They're so... It's just like a big hug all the time, like a nice fuzzy thing, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so let's start a little bit about your upbringing and your childhood, and then we'll get on to, you know, the business you've created for yourself and how that's doing. Yeah, of course. So where were you born and how was your upbringing? Where did you, maybe you don't have to say where you went to school, but how was your high school experience? And then post-secondary, if you went beyond that. Sure. Um, so I grew up in Southern New Hampshire, small little town called Londonderry. Um, you know, I have great parents. I have an older sister. I grew up with almost all of my family, probably living within 15 to 25 minutes from me. Um, grew up really close to my aunt, uncle and cousins from my mom's side. They lived like three miles down the road. So very close, large family. Um, I guess, I, so I went to school at the, just a local high school there, Leonard High School. There's about, I believe, how many kids were in our class? I don't even remember. 411? Okay. Yeah, I think 411 kids in my graduating class. I graduated in 2011 was my high school year. Um, so good amount ago. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think I had like a very typical childhood of, played a lot of sports, did everything like karate, played in an orchestra, youth orchestra, um, did sports, eventually turned to just playing softball because I wanted to uh, play college softball. So my whole life kind of turned into that by the time I was in high school. Um, went on to go to school in Massachusetts at the College of the Holy Cross where I played division one softball. I studied economics and German studies, so double major. And then I graduated from there in 2015. Amazing. So were you a girly girl growing up or tomboy or like in the middle? What would you have considered yourself as? Um, I was pretty tomboy, I would say until high school. And then I 
wouldn't say I'm like either or. I, I probably have like the most girlyish tendencies or whatever you call girly girly now, um, just now that I'm older, but I've always liked sports. I mean, my best friend growing up was my, was my cousin Joe. So, you know, always just, you know, played outside and all that, love the outdoors. Um, but I don't think I was really super either one of those. Okay. And you mentioned Holy Cross. Did you grow up in a religious background or more spiritual? Uh, no, I did not. So my dad grew up very Catholic. Um, my entire, that side of the family is very Catholic. Um, my mom's side was a bit more mixed on the religious side. Um, but after her father had passed away when she was really young, they had stopped attending church. So um, just more of like general Christian values is kind of what what we grew up with and um, we didn't really attend church or anything like that. So I think for my specific religious kind of beliefs uh, strengthened more as an adult actually past college. So, Gotcha. And are you practicing anything now religious or? Um, I would say I'm a Christian and I, you know, I'm mostly like tune in online to church every Sunday and um, I do devotionals and stuff, but it's a pretty, I guess it's a pretty private experience for me. Um, you know, and I think, so I, so College of the Holy Cross is a Catholic Jesuit school. Um, you do not have to be Catholic to go there. Uh, they, but one thing I really liked in college, which I think encouraged me after the fact was just how, how much the Jesuits are about community and giving and kind of being um, inclusive and giving back. And I really liked that aspect of it. And that's, I think, reflected in actually a lot of who I am today. Um, so that's kind of what I focus on is just kind of, you know, being the best person I can be, um, you know, giving back to the community and whatnot. Awesome. So when did you decide you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Was this an in-college decision? Did you come out and go into a corporate job right away? What was your path? Um, it was probably the last thing I would have ever, if you had told me like two years ago or 10 years ago, I would have laughed at you if you had said you're going to own your own business. Um, I went to school for economics. I got a pretty awesome internship at an investment bank my junior year, um, had a job offer uh, given to me at the end of that internship. So when I went back to school for my senior year, I already had a job lined up, which was awesome. Um, after I graduated, I moved to New York City and started working for my investment bank. Uh, after two years, I was promoted and moved down to Houston into the bank's oil and gas business specifically. Uh, that's how I ended up in Texas. Um, but uh, for me, it was all about I like I'm someone so especially as an athlete, like I thrive off structure. I've always been told what to do, where to be, what time. Um, and then it's been my job to go above and beyond with all of that. But there's always been, I, I like to say, it's always been like little breadcrumbs, right? So <laughs> when my husband and I decided to start Coffee Over Cardio, I, this is, we launched when I was about six months into Houston. So uh, December, 2017, it was just a side kind of idea. And, and he's always been like a super entrepreneur at heart. I think it's Gary Vee says that there's a true entrepreneur, someone who um, like hates any, like hates the whole idea of 
the idea of working for someone else. So I would say that's Mike. And then I'm the complete opposite, but my goal was always to, you know, climb corporate ladders, become CEO of an existing S&P 500. And I think it's funny, Mike always like tells the story of when we were first met and when we were talking and he was like, yeah, this girl, she said she wanted to be CEO of Nike. And then he like was just impressed with it that like I just had big goals. And so for me, the kind of opportunity, I guess, fell in me and Mike's lap in terms of starting the business with the idea and it growing. And um, about six months in, I ended up leaving my corporate job and I was scared to death. Um, I was leaving not to become an entrepreneur. I don't like giving people <laughs> the idea of that because I think that's a very early, although I was in a good spot of definitely needed more time and such. Um, I was wanting to change because I didn't enjoy who I worked for. So I was looking for other um, opportunities in finance. And um, with what I did and trying to move to Dallas where Mike was at, it just wasn't lining up. I would have had to take like a massive pay cut and do something I really didn't like in finance. So uh, we decided, you know, hey, you have a small online training business um, that I'd also started. Uh, that, you know, pays your bills and stuff like that. So, you know, come up here, you'll go full force coffee over cardio. Um, you know, it's obviously a tiny step back, but you'll, or actually a big step back, but, <laughs> but you know, it's a step back, but hopefully it will catapult the, the coffee over cardio aspect. And it really did like the amount that coffee over cardio grew from June, 2018 to, to December, 2018, um, is absolutely unbelievable and it really set us up for the massive growth we thought saw in 2019 but had i not gone full time we wouldn't have seen that growth because there's all of a sudden all this time that was wasn't being dedicated or maybe like two three hours a day turned into 12 hours a day and right you're just going to see more with more effort so right I, what's that saying that it's hard to succeed at multiple things when your time is like so divided between multiple avenues. So the fact that you were able to, you know, really take the leap and put in the time and the effort and the energy and really gave it your all, I guess that's when you really did see the biggest growth. Well, how did you meet Mike? Cause you said he was in Texas already. It was this long distance uh, when you met. Uh, so kind of, um, we actually met when I was for, so, all right, we started talking in February, 2017. Uh, we met on Instagram and okay. he at the time was actually in Alabama and I was still in New York city. Okay. Uh, he tells me um, he's moving to California and I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and we're talking and he jokingly at one point says, you know, I don't have anyone to make this cross country road trip. You know, you should come with me. And at this point, like I've never met him. I've FaceTimed him. I've talked to him. Like, a lot for like three, four weeks now. And I was, I, I don't know, I was kind of bored with my job and I didn't know if I was getting this promotion at this point. I thought I wasn't getting the promotion and I was like, well, have all this time off, might as well use it. And so I said like, F it, you know, YOLO. Basically my cousin said YOLO. Um, <laughs> I asked her, I was like, is this a good idea? And I, I went down, I flew down to Alabama and met this guy off Instagram for the first time. So this is the first time you've met? Yep. In person. And I remember most irresponsible thing, do not do that, is the most unsafe thing, of course. Um, luckily it worked out. 
obviously because we're married, but, um, and I like shared my location with like 10 of my closest friends and family members, but uh, went down, my flight was actually super delayed, which was really awful. So I ended up getting in at like 11 PM to Nashville, which was, um, an hour away from where he lived in Alabama. He was staying with his brother. So he like picked me up at 11. It's like an hour drive back. So it's midnight. So I think we went to sleep at like one. So we had to like put his car on his U-Haul or whatever. And then we woke up at, I think it was five and hit the road from Alabama to Huntington Beach, California. And it took us, um, I want to say like 26 hours. We stopped in Albuquerque uh, to like sleep for like four or five hours. And then, yeah, so that, that's how we met. Um, so but it was actually when I got back from that trip, I found out I was moving to Houston. So that kind of started like our relationship. So we started in New York, Cali, and then um, then I went down to Houston and about, so I met, went down to Houston in June. So it was like March, June. Um, I've flown out again to Cali though in May because we wanted to double check. We liked hanging out with each other um, one more time before it made it official. And then he ended up getting an opportunity from one of his friends to um, start a marketing agency, but also um, start a supplement company. And his friend was out of Dallas. So he was like, okay, well, this is a good idea. So he ended up moving right after Hurricane Harvey hit in September. Um, to Dallas. So we went from New York, so a four or five hour plane ride, New York to Cali, to a four hour drive, Houston to Dallas. And that might seem a lot better, but it's a, it's still a long drive. It's really, it's really hard to make often. And especially in both cities that get so much traffic. So that four hours turns into five really quick. Um, but we basically made that drive at least once a month um, each. So if not more, so I was going up to Dallas a lot more, which I fell in love with Dallas. I didn't like Houston very much, but so I fell really? in love with Dallas. So made kind of moving really easy because I didn't want to be here versus I didn't want us to be there. Right. Have, do you watch the show uh, This Is Us? I haven't. I've I started it once and then I don't know what happened. I got distracted or something, <laughs> um, but I need to. Well, the way you and your now husband have met was literally an identical story in that show in an episode with, um, I forget the character's name, Rebecca and her husband. They like just met, I think at a bar. And then next thing you know, she's like, I'm going to California to audition for, I don't know, some singing gig. And he's like, okay, like I'll come with you. And then her parents are like, uh, you just met this guy. So it like the story was such an exact duplicate of that. Um, except you guys hadn't met in person yet. So I thought that was really, really interesting. (laughs) So did you guys always know you want to start a coffee business? Like what made it coffee? Um, so even like when we first started talking when I was in New York city and then when I moved to Houston, um, he, I always wanted to be talking to Mike, but with my job, especially like I really had to put my phone down a lot. So I would take coffee breaks or I'd walk to the coffee shop, you know, and to get a coffee just so I can talk to Mike. And obviously though, that gets expensive because <laughs> I'm not just walking to the kitchen of my company or of the company I work for, but I'm going and buying Starbucks or, you know, those $5 drinks, they just add up. So at one point he joked around that I bought so much coffee that I should have my own. 
and we kind of laughed about it for a while and then we were talking about and like i said he is like a natural entrepreneur very creative um and like even like he came up with like a lot of our products and stuff like that like just a very creative person naturally um and he was looking at i believe it was black rifle coffee which is branded so a very large e-commerce coffee brand um, veteran owned and super branded towards men it is like you go on their instagram and they're shooting guns and there's dogs and really <sighs> like i mean but they nailed their niche and they have these like really matte black bags um and you know they push the veteran owned aspect and all this stuff and it's it's really successful like very very successful even to this day and he was like you know there's there's no coffee company branded towards females and i was like yeah you're like right it's all very neutral meaning for men and women or there's a lot more masculine bags so black so he found the target audience he was like this is the hole in the market that we're missing now that we haven't seen any brands do exactly so you know and it came it came from me being coffee obsessed i mean i i love coffee um, and, uh, so he kind of saw that niche and at the time too, like, I mean, I had 1500 followers in this little fitness accountability Instagram and which is how I found Mike and Mike's been in the fitness industry for, at this point for a long time, been a bodybuilder since he was 18, um, you know, worked for other supplement companies has at this point has his own supplement company and all of that. So, um, you know, we're in the fitness and there's like, okay, co- there's no coffee company in the fitness industry. And there's also just no female branded coffee. Like, I mean, at this point, I'm sure there are, but you know, there's nothing online that's doing this. Yeah. At the time you couldn't search an Instagram page and see someone with thousands and thousands of followers Yeah, exactly. as a coffee brand. Yeah. So, um, we were like, all right, well, let's, you know, let's do our research and I, so I worked on Wall Street and I was in research and so I'm very good at research and it's funny because everyone always asks me like, you know, how do I start my business? Like, do you say I- Wall Street? Sorry. I'm just double checking there. Yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. So, um, investment bank, Wall Street, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I was, I'm in research. So it's so natural for me to look things up. Like I know like how to do targeted searches, how to, you know, in my head, I can make a list of things that every which way, every angle to look at things. So, and then with his background in marketing, he knows how to build a website. He knows what branding needs to like, he had all that background and I just could figure it out if you asked me to. So, um, you know, we put our heads together, we did all this research, we found a roaster that we really liked that could make our ideas come together. So it's funny because everyone also asks us, how do we come up with our coffees and our inspiration? And when we first started, we did it entirely backwards because we had, so our four main coffees were Workflow, which is a dark roast with, it's essentially 156 milligrams of caffeine per cup. So we wanted like this dark roast, high caffeine coffee with these heels on it. For the workaholics. And then we wanted a a chocolate donut, we wanted a cinnamon bun, and we wanted a, oh, and then we wanted like an organic medium roast flourish, which we don't have anymore. So those are our four coffees. We designed all the bags. Now we just needed the coffee. So we did it a little bit backwards where we had the ideas, but um, it was really fun because the roaster we we partnered with and who makes our coffee, um, he, 
you know, was able to make these kind of creations come to life. And nowadays we do it where we go, okay, what type of flavors can we put together to make certain things, you know, and, and then we name them kind of last. Um, but that's how we pretty much started. And yeah, we ended up, I think, I want to say like October was like really when we started like making sure like everything was finalized in terms of site and all that. And then December we launched and I just looked it up recently and we made $838 in that first month in sales revenue. Wow. It doesn't account for any costs or anything. That's just sales. And I guess I'm assuming postage is in that number too, but which we don't keep. (laughs) So how did you guys come up with the packaging of the products, like the cinnamon bun or the chocolate donut? Because I know you said you want to target, you know, that more female audience. Were you thinking about like colors, schemes and stuff that you'd want to see as a female? Yeah, so just like really bright colors, pinks, obviously putting high heels on something, Um, just making them like really fun. And that's the other thing is, um, and you can even compare it to our, so secret stash, which is like an exclusive, um, small batches that we make of an exclusive flavor every month, like that bag is different. And that bag's actually more, usually like you go to the grocery store and the bags are very simple. They have like the logo and the, and the words, right? How many, Jane. Mm-hmm. how many bags have you seen with complete patterns? And those bags are not easy to make, I believe. So those are, I forgot the wording for it, but basically you make them with plates. So to print them, so they have 30 plates, I believe for the Saturday's bag alone. And each of those plates costs like an astronomical amount of money to create because they're all custom. Cause you have to put every single color. And I think our, our person was telling us like, normally there's like three or four colors per bag and ours are like 30 plus. <laughs> so, but it's worth it. I mean, they're catchy. Um, you know, it, it's, it's always insane to me about people who ask me, they're like, oh, wait, you own coffee over cardio? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I've seen your bags everywhere, like blah, blah, blah. So they're, they're really hard to forget, which I think is really important. And we knew to be successful, especially on social media, we had to grab attention. We couldn't have plain Jane bags. So you want to be in the back of everyone's mind all the time when they're thinking of what, what coffee they're going to get next and where they're going to buy it. Yes, exactly. How did you know your target audience? Because I know on your website, it said, you know, for the messy bun, yoga pant wearing millennial. And I was like, that could not be more accurate of a description. Because um, when I was shopping on the website, this is like about a month ago, I was like, I want to buy all of the bags because they just, all the flavors looked good. The packaging was pristine. And then when it arrived, the, even the box, you guys went above and beyond and made it like caffeine loading and had the purple fonts. Like there's nothing cheap about it. It was like quality. It was well presented um and obviously what good tasting so um how do we decide on our niche i mean we pretty much just said women i think we look i mean i was a huge starbucks drinker and i would you know some people take offense to it but i would say i'm pretty basic in terms of trends and all that like i follow along and so I think we based it off a lot of like what I would like. And then I would ask my friends and stuff like that. And that's just kind of how we got the niche in general. We, we tried to say it was health, like we tried to say, okay, like health conscious, like who do we want our community to be? And right. I think that's how we approached it. it was like, okay, women, health conscious, probably like, you know, our coffee is a bit more high quality. So it's more expensive. So, you know, out of college, 
you know, but not probably not over 40, you know, so that range. And I mean, we, it always surprises us, I guess some, you know, people outside of our defined niche buy our copy all the time. Um, and I think we've relaxed a lot of the, I guess, you know, specifics on that. Like we try to just be really inclusive, not, you know, I'm not gonna, if you like coffee, close your eyes if you don't like the bags kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's the most important part is like, we just want people who really like coffee and who really enjoy drinking good coffee, especially at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you end up finding a manufacturer? Was it local? Did you have to do a ton of research to like what made sense financially? Cause you're over time ordering in bulk. Um, so the roaster, we did research. I mean, it doesn't really, I mean, if we had stuck to only Dallas, maybe that would have been really limited. Um, so just finding a U.S. based roaster that went direct to farmer with the, um, with their beans, meaning, there's not a lot of middlemen stuff like that. That was really important to us. Um, and then it's interesting because so when you're first starting a business, especially a product base, there's always minimums. So that's going to just depend on so for us, our roaster or your manufacturer. Um, and that's where the investment piece comes in. Um, for us, we were really lucky because I think, because we were so unique in our bags and our ideas. Um, it was nothing like any of their other like clients had done before. So they were like, Oh, okay. Like this is different. Um, but you know, they, you know, you just pay for it. And if you know, you end up buying more, I think for them, it was good. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, our investment, we were okay if we completely lost everything. And that's also really important. I think when you're starting a business, like, you have to be okay. It's like, say you put a hundred dollars down to start your business, whatever it is. Right. You know, are you okay with losing that a hundred dollars completely? Like, are you okay with it flopping? Because if you're not, then, you know, if that's going to break your bank, I don't know, but you also have to have the patience for it to, you know, really, um, for it to take off. Um, for us, like a big step was, and it's really funny because for the first I guess a year, um, all of our bags were hand packed and meaning, yes. So not by us, by our roaster, but because our, our, um, because our quantity size, we had to get to a certain uh, point where we were ordering, uh, I believe it was like 1500 bags of each flavor for us to move to the automated line. Um, and at that point too, obviously your cost goes down. So the more you order, typically your cost goes of down. Course. So, um, that was a really exciting time when we finally got to that point, um, because coffee, I mean, you can look up right now on the web, you know, coffee is a commodity. You can look up what, it, what prices it is that the farmers are selling their beans for, right? Like it is not a high margin product. You know, this, you see hundreds and hundreds of bags at the grocery store, or you see a coffee shop on every single corner. Like it is not a high margin product. You buy it for a few dollars. You sell it for eight, 10, 12, $15. Some coffee sell for $40 a pound, but you know, it is what it is. It's all quality. Um, but so for that, like getting us to the automated line was a grind and that was all just reinvestment into the business. Um, 
but it was worth it because at that point, then we're actually making a little bit of money off our sales, which is good. Right. So how did the process of finding that manufacturer go? Were you deciding between the two? Did you go actually like get samples of the coffee they've done for other companies? Like how did you figure out that that was the one you're going to go with and they were going to make your vision of your product? Yeah. So it's just, um, you know, if you're looking for a manufacturer, you look at multiple, you look at their pricing, you look at why they're different. Um, for us, it was a lot of taste testing, um, making sure that they could create what we envisioned. Um, and even after the fact too, like as a business owner, you should always be like checking, right? Like we've tested other roasters since even starting to see if they could match. And like literally every single time we're like, wow, this quality is horrible. Like we, you know, we're just, it makes us really happy, you know, cause for us that might be sure like $2 off of cost, which would be great if we want to make a quick buck, but for us, it's more important to have a better product. Exactly. Quality products. So yeah, it's just, it's, you know, people always like, I feel like laugh and they're like, Oh, trial and error. Cool. Like that's the most basic advice you can give, but it, it truly is. And that's never going to stop. How did you, how do you, how did you take your coffee when you had to do these taste tests versus now, obviously, how do you have it on a regular day? Um, okay. Well, <laughs> The evolved aspect of me drinking coffee. Uh, literally, when I was in high school, my order at Dunkin' Donuts, because I'm from the Northeast, was like French, was French, iced French vanilla swirl, which is sugar pumps, with extra cream and extra sugar. And I remember my dad told me, he's like, you know, this is really bad for you. You are literally going to get diabetes one day. <laughs> these things. And I was in high school, right? So, like, had a little coffee taste, but it was super sweet. But I would literally get it every morning, which is so bad. Um, in was it a large, too? Oh, yeah. Well, no. Medium. Medium. Um, okay. Fair size. Which is, like, the vent, like, which is pretty much the venti from Starbucks. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. Um, and then in college, I started working. I started working at the local coffee shop, like, on campus. So I think that's when I really made a switch of like just having some cream in my coffee. I just enjoy creamy coffee. Um, and, but I still do like flavors and stuff. I think the sugar-free push of flavors like wasn't really a thing yet. Um, 2011, 2015. Um, then when I went to New York City, I was like on like a Frappuccino kick, which was so bad. But when I would just have coffee like at my workplace or my office, like I would just, again, put a couple creamers in. And that's never really changed. Um, you know, I would get cold brew and just sometimes have it black. I think for me, I just generally enjoy cre like creamy coffee, whatever that means. I've switched to plant-based creamer. That's changed. Um, but I'm also very good at like, I do enjoy black coffee. Uh, I enjoy black cold brew. I enjoy lattes. So it's, it's kind of like what mood I'm in. But for all of our taste testing, I've always just done black because that's, the most true representation true representation and then i will do tastings of like okay this is a black okay what happens when you do add two tablespoons of creamer okay what happens when you add stevia because that will actually bring the way we flavor our coffees that will bring the flavors out more even more so because they're not naturally sweetened in any way so a creamer or stevia or whatever you put in it is going to make the flavors come out more so you almost want to test like kind of every type of person the big that drinks our coffee, but the biggest feedback that we usually get is 
that people will put less because they are getting the flavor, which right. makes me really happy. And then I we get the psychopaths who are like, I used to put so much in it and now I drink it black. And I'm like, wow, that's a big step, but okay. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, the biggest thing I noticed too, when I go to coffee shops, so there's one here in Canada called Second Cup and there aren't many of them around anymore. I would say they were on the up before Starbucks came big. And now that Starbucks has exploded, like there's less and less of second cups. But the reason why I like second cup was they had the flavored coffees and you'd walk in, they'd go, we have our Irish, um, whatever blend we'd have our butter pecan, which that one always smelled delicious. So I'd get it. And I'm like, I don't taste anything. And then over time, when my boyfriend starts to get into coffee, he'd say the same thing. He's like, I wish you could taste what you smell because I, I can't. And I was like, I know. So when I tried your coffee, that was the first thing I, I noticed. I was like, it smells exactly what's said on the bag, like birthday cake or cinnamon bun. Cinnamon bun's my favorite, by the way. And then like, so that one, you can taste black, you can taste the notes, but then exactly like you said, if you put add-ins in, you can taste it just enhanced. And I found that I wasn't putting as much Splenda or almond milk or whatever to get those flavors. And I found that like you hit it right on the mark. Like that is so hard to do. I'm like, how have other companies that are so big not figured this out? And it's funny too, because one of the most requested things that we get is to have like dark roast flavors. And I have to explain to them that like, if, like you will not taste, taste the flavor because yeah. dark. like there's a reason why we put in like, um, we have one, so our doctor's orders, which is a vanilla hazelnut, that is a medium. But the only reason why is hazelnut is so potent of a flavor that you can actually still taste it. And same with vanilla. So you can kind of get away with that. But for the most part, I'm like, just do like half and half of like half of the flavor, half of the dark roast to get that darker brew or brew it stronger, whatever, you know, floats your boat. But that's really the biggest thing too. So I wonder if they were even just um, over brewing it or, you know, trying to combine it with a darker roast to appease, I guess, the, the thought process of like a, of a roast um, that someone wants. But yeah, it's a huge piece of feedback we get. It's just, you know, oh, make dark roast. I'm like, okay, well, you won't taste it. So then I'm not sure what to do here yeah yeah how hard is it to when you first started I guess to come up with these flavors how hard was it to get like hit it nail on the head like cinnamon bun how difficult was that to get to the state it, it is now being sold um how, how to get the flavor right or yeah yeah the flavoring um some of them have been really easy um where and I think that's where like when you partner with a roaster or a manufacturer and this goes with like our other products too like our hydrates right who is a supplement manufacturer not our roaster is when you work with these professionals they're so good too so like we'll tell our roaster like hey can you do this and he'll be like okay like I'll work on that and he'll do this this and this and then he'll send us a few different options oh um, that's good so samples and, yeah so so he'll let us you know try it we'll make adjustments and we've gone in and been like okay like let's add more vanilla here or you know can you do this this and this but usually like they're really good about like getting pretty close on like the first shot um and then there's other things too like you know if we're coming out with a hazelnut coffee like you know it's only one flavor and a lot of it's just hey we need to tone it up or tone it down so that's not too hard. It's when we try to do things like the chocolate donut and stuff like that. That's 
you know, how do we, what do we envision? And then we've had things where like, we've asked for stuff and Russ was like, well, I didn't really like that to so try this instead. And we're like, oh, totally different, not what we pictured, but even better. So uh, I think that's just where good partnerships come in and, you know, um, being able to take, I guess, advice or take, you know, note of what other people think too. Like, that's just really important. Cause it, and that's the other thing too, is like, I mean, we have like a 99%, 97%, I believe is the calculation of like customer satisfaction for above stars, but there are still people who don't like our coffee. And at the end of the day, everyone has different taste buds and that's, that's just the, the, the fact of it. And you have to respect it like food in general, not everyone likes every single taste. Um, even me, like one of our best sellers is Dr. Zora's, which is a vanilla hazelnut. I'm not like the, I'm never, you're never going to see me order a hazelnut coffee in house. Do I think it's a very good hazelnut coffee? Yes. But that's just not my first choice. Right. So, you know, you just gotta, you gotta vary and with coffees, you can get really creative. There's also a lot of staples that you can't go wrong with. So it's just finding that balance. For sure. I know my parents, they mix a dark roast from Costco and then a vanilla hazelnut. And then when I started getting into, I was going to say hockey, oh my God, coffee, (laughs) I was like, oh, I don't like the dark roast in this. Like I can smell the vanilla hazelnut. I want more vanilla hazelnut. So I totally get what you mean by everyone's taste buds are a little bit different. Like me and my boyfriend tend to like those like flavored coffees more. My parents are more traditional with like a plain medium roast, a plain dark roast. So I think you're also hitting your target right on because I find that our generation likes that more. That was another thing that when going back to how do we find our niche is we're very aware that kind of that over 40 is exactly right. They, they don't enjoy flavored coffees. Now I don't pin it on them as their fault because in the beginning, a lot of flavored coffees are super artificial um, and they don't taste good. And I they just had bad experiences, which is fine. I respect it. So it's always really funny to explain to them how we use natural extracts and stuff. So you're not going to have that artificial taste and stuff like that. But that goes to that point of what we were talking about before the niche, which is you're right. And that's where we also have our staples that aren't flavored too. So we kind of go for everyone. Right, right. So when you guys first were finding your manufacturer, did you find that you were taking a lot of trips out there to see the process and see how things would get done for your coffee brand? Uh, not really. We did a lot more FaceTimes and such okay. like that. Um, with me, I mean, I was working 90 to 100 hours a week. Weekend, so, I mean, um, you know, I wasn't, if I was going up to Dallas, that was, you know, I was still bringing my laptop and still working. Um, but I guess that's the beauty of technology today. And what was most important to us too was, you know, the actual finished product. Um, so being able to just ship things and stuff. Um, we've gone out there now. It's, it's awesome and awesome experience. Um, it's, it's cool to see everything really come together and stuff, but it, uh, yeah, in the beginning, no, we, we had to do, you know, we're pretty limited. Um, cause Mike was still working too. And when we first started too, Mike was with his supplement company, he was COO of the supplement company owned. So he was in there packing every single day. So he would pack and stuff and, and run his supplement companies with his partners through the day, get home at five or six, and then you would pack a few orders and stuff for coffee over cardio. So, wow. yeah, I don't even know when we would travel. That's 
So do you have the coffee, the, I guess, coffee roast, the grinds in one place and then the packaging done in another? And then where is it all packaged together? It's all at the roaster. So we'll okay. purchase, we purchase our bags and then they are sent directly to the roaster. And like I said, it's on that automatic line now. So um, basically like all the coffee's roasted and it's put in and then they, they're put into the bags. So, and then that's all shipped to us. And then we pack our actual individual um, packages. Got it. And how did you and Mike come up with the money to start this company? Did you have to take out a loan? Did you both have, you know, a lot saved from previous jobs? Um, we both had savings account. Um, we both just paid for it and we're, we're still self-funded, which is awesome. Um, we, it became really hard last year. We were pretty frugal. Um, when, so we have our other, um, you know, we've had coffee for the whole time. And then we've had our other like hydrates and our MCT oil creamers that have nootropics. And those are a different experience. Um, those minimums were much higher. And when you're ordering 5,000, 2,500 SKUs, um, you have to still put half down uh, to collect the product. And then in their net 30. So in 30 days after you receive it, you have to pay the other part. When you're paying, like, even if it costs, you know, whatever amount, if you're paying like $35,000 to, you know, get a product, especially a new product that you have no idea if people <laughs> like it or not, um, that can be pretty scary. So that money was, um, mostly just reinvestment from what coffee's already made, but it still made things pretty tight. A fun fact though. So we started in December, 2017. Um, I so I just did these numbers the other day, started in December, 2017, including postage, which again, we don't pay for, um, it was like 800 bucks of sales. So sales revenue, that's not cost or anything like that. 2018. And that was a four coffees. So four SKUs. Okay. And 2018, we added two new coffees right at the end of the year. So six views. And then in 2019, we added, I believe it was 14 SKUs. And that was, and we got married at the end of the year. Um, and so it's just massive growth. And it's just a huge part about growing a business is you have to be able to spend, you have to be willing to spend money to make money. Um, so that was just a lot of like, we made hires, we made, um, we went, we went from out of our rental house that we have, we moved, we downsized into a 600 square foot apartment and we moved into a, I think like an 1800 square foot warehouse. Um, so like there's like that investment that the cop, that the company had to make. Then when did the warehouse move happen? What year was that one? April, 2019 last year. Okay. okay. Um, and then, you know, and then we have all these new products and, we got a little tight again, where we had to pull from our own savings with the hydrates and the creamers, just because of these like massive delays that our manufacturer is happening. So we were supposed to have them all spread out through the year, which makes things a lot easier. They pay for themselves. You know, you go into the next one, you profit, you jump stump, but they ended up all like um, getting delayed. And then we got really nervous that more things were going to get delayed. So we paid for like all of them up front. Okay. And we didn't launch everything, meaning they couldn't pay for themselves, like with launches. So that was really interesting and really stressful. Um, 
But then, so then we just signed a new lease and now we're building out a 5,000 square foot warehouse that will move into November because we are, Congrats. we are at max capacity right now at our current one. And we as owners, so we paid ourselves for the first time two months ago. Wow. Congratulations. So that's like two and a half years. It basically took two and a half years to pay ourselves and all of our, we joke that like our employees, especially the ones that have been with us a bit over a year, like you've made more money than we have in this, in this business, but it's all just reinvesting and letting it to grow. Um, and now, you know, we can have salaries and stuff like that, which is, which is nice and breathable, but yeah, all self-funded, um, and letting it reinvest back into itself. Amazing. And so as you and Mike that started it and how big is your team now? Like, do you have packers? Do you have, how has it grown? So, um, one, two, three. So we have, um, in our like warehouse, we have, I'll say two and a half, two full-time now and one who is a high school student. So she comes, well, now she's working a lot because it's summertime, but, um, during the school year, she'll come at like 2 PM, which is nice. And then, uh, we have, uh, a designer, we have me and Mike, and then we have um, two people for customer service that are remote. Gotcha. Yeah. So. And do you and Mike make the decisions of who comes on the team, or do you have someone else that does the hiring? Uh, me and Mike do. We're still very much daily involved with literally everything. everything. Like, um, I don't do customer service full time, but I'm still doing it every day, like little bits and pieces, and. Um, yeah, so we still make make the decisions. And a lot of it's too, like my personal brand is so tied into coffee over cardio that it's really important that thing, you know, I want things to be a certain way to reflect my, you know, views, you know, how I want things handled, um, quality and all of that. And same with Mike, like, I mean, he's very much tied into. So it's really important that we, we pick people that, um, are going to work hard, who also understand what it's like to work for a startup. Um, you know, it's, it's a very much a long, long ball game. So, you know, it's different, like, than just jumping into a very uh, corporate job with benefits and stuff like that. So generally cool, though, our employees are awesome. They work so hard and, um, you know, we try to reward them. And, you know, as we grow, we, we give them more as a company as we can take it. So. Right. And who would you say does more of the, the finances, the math in, in, in the company? Is it you or Mike? Um, probably me. Um, oh, I guess we, so we do have a full-time accountant now, not here. Um, that works for us. So actually he does. Um, but I mean, up me, until that point, yeah, me and Mike, um, have done it together. Um, I wouldn't say we were like super good at it. Uh, it's really hard, like product planning, inventory planning, um, like I said, where you have to like purchase things, you know, you purchase something and you don't get it for 12 weeks, like all of that planning. Um, Mike is more in charge of ordering product and stuff like that. I work more for ordering product for like new products that are going to be pushed out eventually. Um, so yeah, Mike works closer on the operation side, I would say, but also he does the Facebook app. We're so inner, like we have you wear many hats, both of you. <laughs> Right, right. When uh, and how did you decide to introduce influencer marketing? Uh, so we did that from the beginning um, okay. because, like I said, I think 
I think I had like 1500 or 1800 followers. Like I didn't have anything and he had like 11,000 followers, but not the right market, like very much just like a bodybuilding market. So, um, what I started doing from the beginning was I just reached out to people who I genuinely like loved and followed. And I was like, Hey, like, do you want to try this? And I never asked them to post or anything. Um, you know, I'm super grateful. A lot of them have become like really good friends because I have known them for a bit over two years now, which is really exciting. Um, but we just, we, for the most part, just send care packages and if people really like it and, and they want to be involved, we, we work that out, but it's, um, I would say like our brand ambassador program is like really what's driven us even more so, um, you know, people like you who might just really enjoy, you know, the product and you might recommend it to your friends and family and just, you know, and you are like, wow, I really love coffee for cardio. I want to be involved. So we made that program just to really build up our community to make that like close knit platform. Um, that that's what something I wanted from the beginning. I was like, well, I want it to be like very supportive. You know, if they're going to support us and, and buy our product, you know, I want to be able to support back. So, um, it's been a combination of both. Um, but, and then I've grown along the way, which is interesting because I don't consider myself an influencer. Um, but you know, I'm a business owner that I feel like a lot of people follow because of that. And then they get to know me and like me. <laughs> um, so it's been a really interesting ride. And now we do one of our remote people, she does reach out to influencers. And again, it's, it's just like a lot of care packages. Um, going back to the whole like low mar margin product, it's really hard to pay commission on things that we only make a few dollars on ourselves. So it's been a little hard, but I think the way we've done it has been, you know, at the end of the day, if you just want to try our product and you just personally give us the feedback on what you personally think, then that's fine too. Like we, that's still, you know, that's really helpful for us. So well, that's, that's kind of our approach to it. Yeah. I love that on your copy of our cardio page. I think it's the coffee connoisseurs tab. I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah. And has all the influencers, I'm going to call them influencers just because it's an easy title to use content creators, um, fitness enthusiasts, etc. And I love that you have that. Cause I can easily just scroll and see, you know, all the people I follow. I'm like, okay, so they're, they're with the brand. They're with the brand that I'll use their code. Like it's so easy that way. And I find that with, I mean, apparel is a completely different ball game, but I'm trying to remember sometimes I'm like, Oh, I haven't used that person's code in a while. And I feel like it's so much nicer to see like a layout and you're the only person I think I've seen do that. So it's like, I'll use this person's code next time, et cetera. Interesting. So it's fine. So the reason we have that on there is, so if you look, it has all their bios. Yeah. It also has like that for me is like a way to promote them because I'm like, Oh, you might not know this person, but you click and you see their YouTube channel or you see that they own their own business and, or they're a coach. And I'm hoping that it drives traffic to back to them um, and gives them more of a platform. So that, that's actually, I would say the reason why I created that page. Um, but I never looked at it like how you just said, of you know, also giving people the, a way to kind of support the different, the different girls. 
Right. I, li- I like, and it's just cross crossing audiences and sharing. And I think that's so important going forward to like help each other out in the littlest ways possible. You know what I mean? Like just tagging the company on a story. Just, I, I like that, that you have it on their, on your page. And then they're also always tagging on their stories without even being asked, which is so nice. Um, so what made you decide to buy a home in Dallas with your husband? Um, well, and made it from scratch, right? Cause you customized it. Kind of. Um, so we were living in a 600 square foot apartment, one bedroom. And I mean, that gets cramped and our closet was so small and we only had one. Um, we, I mean, we, when we had our rental house before in 2018, we loved it. One of the reasons why we had an opportunity to buy that house, but the side of it would basically collect rain and our dog would get so muddy. So that was the reason why we didn't get that house uh, specifically. So we decided, hey, let's downsize. Let's just save some money. Um, We had a feeling that we might have to pull again from our personal to invest more into the company. Um, And we hadn't found, we weren't ready to buy at that point. And we also didn't know like, you know, will we stay here? Like, is this, you know, gonna work? Um, So we, you know, just kind of saved money. We ended up getting married in 2019, you know, so we were focused on that. And then we, one of, some of our friends had gotten a house um, and we were like the only friends that didn't have a house anymore. And we're like, we, you know, we really want to be in a house. So we started looking and this is actually one of the first, if not the only house we looked at when we like really considered. And, um, I remember I was actually traveling and Mike went to look at this neighborhood and he asked, you know, Hey, do you have any houses in this price range? Um, and they were like, well, not really, but you know, here's this one. And they're like, you know, maybe, and, and Mike went and looked at the spec that the model home and he like loved it. And he sent me all these pictures and I was like, wow, this is beautiful. Um, I was like, this would be a dream. And then he told me how much it was and I was like, wow. Okay. Um, we need to keep saving. And at this time though, this house, only the foundation had been laid. So basically it made it a spec home. And we went through the whole process of like getting pre-approval and stuff like that. And we had put down an amount that we were like, well, like, I don't know if they'll actually come down to this price or anything, but let's see if we can get approved for this amount. And they gave it to the, the builder that price and the, the builder was like, okay, we'll give it to you for that. And we're like, oh, okay. Like, so <laughs> worked out great. So we got a way better deal than what it was priced at. Um, and then the other cool part was besides the brick, which was white, which we already, which we wanted. Um, and besides the actual like layout and structure of the home, uh, we couldn't change those two things, but we could customize anything else we want to. So they ended up bringing down the price even more. And then we went in and decided like, what did we want to upgrade? What did we want to downgrade and things like that. And we were able to customize the inside. So um, we got a really good deal. Um, That was in January. I think we had to put like $2,000 down or something for the house to claim it as ours. Um, And then when it was finished in April, we were able to put our money down. But Texas is such a good place um, to own a business 
because of tax breaks. Um, there's additional tax breaks because of coffee. Like there's no sales tax on coffee um, here. So it's just like, it's just a great place to live, like low cost of living and all of that. We have an awesome friends group. So, you know, even though none of our family is here, it was just a place we could see ourselves staying for a while. So we bought a house and now we're a lot happier. And that's yeah. it. square foot apartment. Definitely seemed like a smart decision. I was watching your house tour and I was like, this home is stunning. If you were to buy that here. So I lived a little bit outside of Toronto that would be a million dollars easily, maybe two. Like it's crazy how much cheaper it is there. And I'm just like, oh, I want to get like a, what's it called? Not a visa, but green card. I don't even know what it's called, but when you can be there and here. Um, yeah. And I found that so many influencers are in Texas too. Like Heidi Summers is there. Obviously Christian's there. Alphalate, the gym is there. Um, and I feel like more influencers are starting to flood to that section. I'm like, they're going to buy all the houses. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's really nice. And we're like an hour outside Dallas. Uh, so we're in a suburb and yeah, it's so much cheaper. Yeah, and it's the same thing if I, we had tried to buy this house, a new build up where like I grew up or outside New York City. And these are easily one, $2 million homes. Right. Not that much money here. We did not pay that amount or anything close to it. So right. um, yes. Um, so you, I watched one of your videos and you mentioned you competed in a couple of bikini competitions. Mm -hmm. What was your, I guess, process like, and how was the after show like, like eating habits, counting macros? Um, okay. So I guess I started counting macros in 2016 and decided I wanted to do shows. I didn't end up doing a show. Um, especially because of that whole, the move to Houston, new job. Um, I, I didn't want to do a show during all that stress. And um, so it's fine. And I'm really glad I didn't do a show because I look back at pictures of me during that time. And you know how like when you go through a breakup or you're just like super stressed and you like lose a lot of weight. So that happened to me. And I like, I kind of, I didn't realize it at the time because I was, counting my macros, but then having breakfast tacos twice a week and, you know, living life, but I was just so stressed and I was working insane hours. Um, so I ended up choosing to do a show in, I decided in December, 2017, like or no, November, 2017. Yep. And then I started my prep the week of Christmas in 2017 in December. So that was right a few weeks after we launched coffee over cardio. Um, for me, it was, you know, in Houston at the time, I had like no friends because I worked all the time. I had like two friends and then I worked all the time. I uh, wasn't loving my boss um, and I just kind of needed something to focus on that was for myself. So I decided to go into prep and I mean, it worked out because I just went to work, ate my food. You know, I'd see Mike and Mike at this time had done 12 bodybuilding shows. So he, just it. yeah, he understood everything and, um, you know, we're both trying to save money and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I went through 16 weeks. I did a show. I got first in novice, second in open. And then the next weekend I did first in open. So that was awesome. I did really well, loved it. Um, and I had a really hard time after the fact, I think it took me about two weeks of kind of going crazy with my food. 
um, what I was struggling with was I would like go to work and when I got back from my shows, whatever workload happened was insane. And I would end up being in the office till 9, 10, 11 PM at night, but I would only bring my food for until like six. So I remember the only, and I have a ton of food allergies. So the only food I could eat out of our kitchen was like out of the kitchen at work was like the nature Valley bars, which, and like peanut butter. So that wasn't really helpful. So I was struggling a lot. Um, and I think I struggled more once I got that kind of out of, under control, I struggled a lot more with just body image. Um, because you see, you don't see yourself correctly. Um, you know, after dieting for so long, after seeing yourself sagely and then you're eating, so you're, you might be a little bloated, but you're just eating more. So you're just holding more water filled out. Well, you do not see yourself the way you truly are. So I struggled with that for months, like a really long time. And I made the mistake of, well, so, so that was April when I competed. And then the right at the end of May was when I gave that two week notice and I moved to Dallas in June. So that's 2018. Okay. Um, so then I moved up. And that was really when I got, I feel like a lot, I was just like a lot more normal with like counting, but I still struggled with the body image thing. And I remember I cried so hard to Mike. I was like, I want to prep again. Like, I just, I feel like I completely messed up. I didn't mess up. I was like maybe seven or eight pounds, like over stage weight at this time, which was fun. Like that was yeah, it's still lean. <laughs> at that point it was like, I needed that weight. I was 128 pounds when I stepped on stage and at five, nine, like way too small. Um, so, you know, it was, it was weight that I needed to put on, but this was my first time going through everything. And I cried, I wanted to prep again. And that's where I made my mistake. So I started prep in July for November. And I was going to do a very long prep, but it was very, like, very slow. And my body just like didn't respond and kept not responding, kept not responding. What do you mean it didn't respond? I was losing. Okay. And I looked terrible. And it, terrible in a means of like, I wasn't big, like I wasn't, but I was, I was really inflamed. Um, and so, how do I describe it? Like puffy almost? Yeah. And I was like bloated. There weren't lines. So like, you know, I was getting smaller, but I didn't look good. Like it was weird. And like, I knew it and Mike knew it. And Mike was really, I mean, he obviously like loves me and like thinks I'm very pretty and stuff like that. But from a very bodybuilding stance, like it was not going well and kept pushing eventually you know we had more cardio we you know tack on things because i have to get ready for this show in november and i remember just like being like i don't understand i'm doing everything by the book i'm pushing so hard you know we're taking breaks to see if that helps stuff like that and just nothing is working i was like there's something wrong like i like i don't understand and this point too, like I'm getting really emotional every single day, which is stress, stress, stress. Cortisol levels are spiking and that's working against me entirely. Um, and I remember he was like, you need to get your blood work done. Like we need to see like if there's actually something wrong with your thyroid or something like that. And my thyroid was fine, thank God. Um, but my hormones were all very low, especially my testosterone level. 
And that happens when you do extreme dieting. So when I prepped for that first show and what we think happened is after I pressed for that first show, because I didn't, for those shows, I didn't take enough time off then my hormones never rebounded and came back. So I was, so basically my body was just shutting down and it was like, Nope, you're starving yourself. I'm not going to budge. And that's why I wasn't responding. So after that, I made a really hard decision to stop the prep, which sucked because at this point I'm like 16 weeks in, I'm four weeks out, but I was never going to bring my best package to the stage. And I was trying to do a national show, which so I wanted to get my pro card and don't step on a stage. If you don't feel like you're bringing your best, like that's, that's going to reflect in your confidence and everything. And I was like, I don't want to be laughed. Like, I was like, I don't want to be laughed at, oh, but I don't think I would have been laughed at, but it just wouldn't have been my best. And I wouldn't have been happy with it. Um, so I went into that reverse and that reverse went a lot better in terms of like accountability. Like I was hitting my macros, but the second I started raising food and it wasn't a lot, I was gaining weight, like rapidly gaining weight. You would have thought I went from like, I don't remember my calories, but say they were at 1800 for that low, they're probably lower than that. But say I went from 1800 to like 1850, I gained like five pounds. Oh, wow. And I ended up gaining from October to, um, to January. I gained, I went from 140 to 179. Okay. And I had never been above 160 in my life and that was it was just something that had to happen like my body just at that point it was finally like okay cool I feel comfortable you're not you know you're eating enough kind of it wasn't even really that high but it was still more food but I was like okay I'm gonna relax I can stop here and it made me so frustrated because I was still eating like I was on prep um, I would continue to eat like I was on prep in terms of accuracy for almost all of 2019. And it took until August where I started losing weight. So I had to live at my highest weight I've ever been at my most inflamed. Like if you look at my photos, I am so, you would look at me and you'd be like, wow, your leg transformation is insane. But it's really, I mean, it is, I've definitely lost weight in my legs more recently. But it's just the amount of inflammation. Like, it looked like I had cellulite on my entire body. Like, that's what I mean by, like, inflammation of, like, the, the skin just looks, like, loose, if that makes sense. And then I was just sitting a lot heavier. And that was really hard for me. Like, really, really hard for me. But I, it took a lot to a lot of time of just eating the right things, um, prioritizing stress management, um, giving my body just enough time of, to be like, Hey, you've, you've fed me. Like, I trust you again. You're not going to take that food away. Um, you know, and even more recently, like I finally, my insulin sensitivity is finally normal. I was sitting at like a hundred, 104 blood glucose levels, which is really high and almost pre-diabetic for the longest time. Um, you know, meaning every time I had carbs, my body wasn't breaking it down correctly. It was, you know, turning into sugar and turning into fat. Like it's, or this, however the scientific aspect of it behind it, but it wasn't working. Um, you know, and that was really hard. And I had to really prioritize health and just be patient. 
Um, in August, I pressed because I wanted to die for my wedding. And I like, I feared so badly not liking my photos for my wedding. I think I cried almost every single day leading up to August because I was so afraid that I was going to never be able to look at the photos. I love the photos. I did. I lost 12 pounds for the wedding. I like, I felt so confident in how I looked, um, but it was really hard. And it was, I've learned so much about just like my specific body. And, you know, I have to give my, if I compete again or when I compete again, I have to make sure I do certain things. I have to make sure I give myself enough time to, um, you know, Bounce get back. back healthy and all of that. But I mean, man, that was 2019 was a hard year. It was a really hard year. It does sound, it does sound like you went through some obstacles for sure. What is your diet like now? Are you, are you still counting macros or is it more just like you eat what you want, but within reason, are you intuitively eating intermittent um, fasting? No, I still, I still count macros. Um, yeah, I've still kind of macros for here. I've definitely taken weeks off um, during COVID, or sorry, during the pandemic and the shutdowns. I um, I took some weeks off where I just kind of intuitively ate. And it was actually really nice because since I wasn't, I was really bad. I didn't work out that much. Um, I did like, well, I took some weeks off from working out, which was totally fine. Um, my body definitely needed it. I lost a lot of inflammation. Um, but I kind of intuitively ate and I definitely under ate. I just wasn't as hungry because I wasn't doing these massive push to failure lifts. Um, so I definitely take breaks. Um, I don't get down on myself on like going to vacations and just like intuitively like eating and, and listening to hunger cues. I've worked on my food relationships so much where food just doesn't matter in terms of like emotional benefit. Um, I have too many allergies to like be a foodie basically. So like, even when we go on vacation, like it's not a big deal. Like if I have to have a salad, like I have a salad, like that's, you know, I don't, I don't get to have the fun floofy cupcake anyway. So it's, you know, I don't miss out. And, and that really changed a lot for me. Um, I also just know like how much better I feel when I do have the appropriate amounts of things. Um, and it's also been really cool because, so I dieted August to October and my body responded like pretty decently which was really cool and we didn't push that low like I never even got lower than what I started either of my preps at before now I was also obviously like a lot heavier than when I'd ever started preps but that to me was like insane I was like wow like I'm eating more and losing weight and then I went to my first like true reverse diet and I gained like maybe four or five pounds, which you could also say is water. Like I, you know, it wasn't, I didn't look like I was gaining weight, but I was able to raise up calories. We started a mini cut before quarantine started. And then when quarantine hit, decided to just go into a maintenance um, where I just, you know, I was eating plenty and, you know, it matched kind of what my, my training was. And now we've actually been raising calories because my body's still responding really well and I'm losing. Um, so now I'm like eating more than I have in a really long time and I'm losing or just even staying put and which is the goal, which is really cool to me. And now it's funny because for me, it's a lot of food. So it's almost more of a job to like make sure I get in enough food. 
than anything, but I would rather have it that way than like being like, okay, how can I make this massive salad so that I can eat as much things as I want? Like, I don't look at it that way anymore. So it just seems really healthy for me. Um, but more importantly, it's healthy where if I do go somewhere for the weekend or something like that, like I'm not stressed about what I eat. Um, now if I, it's like today, my coach and I were talking and we're thinking spring of next year of stepping on stage again, when I go into a prep, I'll get very strict in towards, in terms of like weighing, there won't be a day off unless directed kind of thing. But for like the lifestyle and stuff like that. It's, it's a very good balance for me, um, you know, and as things get more serious for like what the goals are, we get closer to it, then it's, you know, it, it'll, it'll be more precise. Got it. So are you aiming for your pro card then in your next prep you're hoping for? Uh, I hope so. That's the only reason I'll step on stage is to go for that. I'm not, I mean, I love bodybuilding as a sport and as a lifestyle, but I won't step on stage. And I've been like this from the beginning, unless I'm aiming to get that pro card. Um, You know, if I want to just do a crazy cut to see how lean I can get, I can do that on my own. Um, Makes sense. But I'm not going to put my body through a prep without a, a true goal at the end of it. So yeah, the next time, yeah, I would have to qualify for nationals. So I would have to do a regional qualifier, and then I would uh, go on to the nationals. Gotcha. Gotcha. And have your fitness goals or alignments in the space changes? Did it change creating the brand and no longer competing? I guess you're competing next year, but. Um, Not really. I've never associated the brand with bodybuilders, I guess. Um, We do have a lot of bikini and figure girls that also love the coffee, it's great. It's zero calorie. Um, I like to think of it as more just health conscious um, in terms of the coffee, the hydrates, the creamers, just like health conscious, but I don't reflect bodybuilding. I think bodybuilding is a more extreme lifestyle um, and I wouldn't necessarily condone it for every single person um, or competing, I should say, not bodybuilding because you can always try to build a, build a better body. But um, for the competing aspect, I don't want that specifically tied to my brand or to my coffee brand um, because I, I feel like that's just too limited. Um, and I would rather just have it be even more health conscious lifestyle aspect because especially too, like as I change, you know, who knows what happens at the end of this year and in the next year, um, you know, we could get pregnant or something like that. And obviously I wouldn't compete at that point. Uh, I wouldn't be drinking coffee either, but you know, I don't want it to tie to just my current interest right now. I want it to be a whole lifestyle thing that I can apply through my whole life, not just these few five years or whatever it is. Understandable. So off this topic for one sec, back when you moved to um, Dallas, you said it was hard to make friends, not hard to make friends, but you didn't have any friends at the beginning. How did you create a group or how did you, I guess, find friends? Cause I know there's like apps for it now. Did Mike introduce you to people? Like how, how did that go? Um, so Mike knew one couple when he moved here and then who my friend Bree, so that's how I became friends with her. And then I made some friends literally like sliding into their DMS, just like me and me and Mike <laughs> made friends. And I was like, 
basically I stalked the location tag on my Jim's phone uh, on the Instagram. That's smart. So I just like looked and I remember I like looked through the photos and I'd be like, oh, this girl looks like she does the same kind of workouts as I do. And I'd just be like, hey, I remember literally one of the messages. I was like, hi, like this is a little odd and I'm sorry, but I'm new here and I don't know anyone. Would you want to do a workout or something? And then um, my friend Anissa at the time, she had just moved like six months prior and she's like, oh, I don't really know anyone either. Like, yes. And uh, so I became friends with her and then how else? I mean, we've made friends at the gym. Like Mike had made friends with um, our friend Steve, who his wife, Lauren, and I've become like super close friends with her. And she's been awesome and has introduced us to more of her friends. I feel like it's a lot around the gym. So either at the gym or, you know, or my weird Instagram way of the gym. Um, and then it's just kind of built on top of each other. So um, you know, we made friends with our neighbors who, when we moved in and I think, I mean, that's just, we all happen to have a sim- very similar interests of like, of fitness and stuff being very important to us all. Um, we all just have a blast. And a lot of us aren't from here either. So we don't necessarily have family. Um, so that's just kind of how the, how we built that group, but it's not like a huge group or anything. I joke with people. I'm like, yeah, I know like 10 people. Like, oh, that's awesome. Like, no, literally, like 10. (laughs) I can count them on my hands. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of how it is. And, um, you know, I've lived in other places and been really unhappy. And I think a huge part of that was because I didn't have really any friends. And I think it's really important to be able to take a step away from work, take whether it's corporate or even your own business, you know, you need to be able to take a mental break from that. Um, so. You know, and then I have some like just really close friends from college who I talk to every single day. Um, and then I've made friends on Instagram who I talk to every single day, FaceTime, you know, stuff like that. And I've never met them in real life. So I think, again, it goes back to like the beauty of technology where like you can, you know, talk to people and stuff like that. And you don't have to be next to them, which is cool. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much how we've made friends. Um through, I guess, Instagram and a marriage through Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the day and age for it. I feel like if it's going to be accepted, it's in 2020, you know what I mean? Or whatever, the last five years, it that kind of relationship started to grow as opposed to like our parents maybe, you know, didn't have the internet to be able to turn to, to be like, oh, well, I don't like anyone I'm around. Like, who can I look for? That's exactly, you looked at the location of your gym and like who goes there, et cetera. And that's such a smart way, I feel like, of doing so. Yes. Um, the other question I was going to ask was, so you said your following on Instagram started around like 1500 when you started coffee over cardio. When did you see it kind of ramping up and getting to the point it is at now and continuing to grow? Um, it honestly was just growing. Like steadily? Yeah. Um, I did a lot of, I don't know. I feel like I've done all the things from like posting consistently, engaging and, you know, I've, I've tried so hard to be an influencer, which is like funny to say out loud, but I've thought about it a lot recently and because I've thought a lot about, hey, where do I want my page to go right now? Because um, this has been a year that I've actually taken a lot of time off Instagram um, and no one's noticed, which is awesome. Um, so if you ever feel like you need a break, no one will notice, just take the time. Um, but 
you know, I started the account as like this fitness account as like a fitness diary. I think a lot of people start like that. Um, and you know, when I was bodybuilding, it was the same thing. Like I was just posting that gym selfie or that workout. And, um, I think that changed, and I grew a lot from that. Like I grew so much when I was doing my prep and I think people just like seeing people diet and get leaner and be relatable and stuff like that. So that grew a lot on its own. And as my coffee was growing and, um, I think being more present on coffee's page, people figured out who I was and, you know, started following me. And I don't know though. It's, I my page has changed so much. And a lot of that is, I just became a lot more private about my own, I guess, like fitness journey. And I started talking a lot more about the like mental health side and the overall health side. Um, and then, like I said, I've taken like a lot of time off Instagram. Um, so it's kind of just like random stuff that's like on my mind every day. <laughs> um, and that's kind of like what makes me happy about all the all of Instagram is like I love like being on Instagram and like interacting with the other people. I saw this funny meme the other day was like, give me two glasses of wine and I'll respond to every story like I know them. And I'm like, well, that's kind of funny. I respond to all stories like I know them anyway. Um, and I'll literally like sit there and I, I love watching stories. Like that's my favorite part. I don't scroll that much. I'll watch stories. I'm the same way. I got rid of the scroll. I was endlessly scrolling with stories. It's like you're done within like whatever, an hour. Like it's just quicker to me. And it's just like more personal. Like you yeah. see they're talking, they're showing their personality. It's not this like superposed picture. Um, so you like, I feel like you get to know people. You just get to know people. Okay. Um, and that's, that's literally how I've, I guess, made friends too, is I started responding and then you just start chatting and boom, you're, you know, you have things in common. So I don't know if there's like, I mean, you know, post consistently engage. Like I feel like people miss the outward engagement part, but I'm like, literally like if you actually want to grow your Instagram because of a business or something like go engage, like on everything, like everything in your feed, your stories on hashtags that like are relevant to who you want to follow you. Um, but I feel like I've also grown a lot when I like, wasn't trying so hard. Yeah. Because it was so not necessarily on that engagement stuff, but like with my content, like if I was over trying, I feel like maybe it didn't seem as authentic versus when I just post stuff now, that's, you know, really authentic of what I want to post. Like those do a lot better. Um, so I think that's like, what a lot of people miss is they don't, they try too hard. Um, and everyone wants to be an influencer and I feel like, or they want to have a big social media and they don't necessarily think about the negative aspects that come with it, which is really interesting. And, you know, me saying like literally I've deleted the app for three, four days in a row, a few times this year. Um, and I don't get trolls. Like that's the other thing. I'll get trolls on TikTok, but that's fine. I just laugh at that. But, um, I don't get like a lot of negativity at all on my page. Like I cannot imagine, like I've seen comments that my friends have gotten or people post and I'm just like, I'm like, wow, I'm really lucky that I don't get any of that, but I still have to take breaks. Um, and I think when it becomes a job, like it's hard too, because for some people it is a job. So, um, and my coffee account is a hundred percent a job, but that's something that it's just a very non-personal thing to look at, but you have to take breaks. You can get caught up in things. It can try to, 
um, you know, twist you to make you feel like you have to be a certain way or you have to have lashes or you have to do X, Y, Z. Um, so like taking breaks from it. And I don't know, I, I, I actually haven't grown a lot recently, which is fine. Um, I feel like my engagement has gotten a lot better recently, meaning my actual community has gotten better, which is even better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather have a smaller community. I've told Mike multiple times, I'm like, I wish the people who didn't engage with me just unfollowed me because, you know, they're not paying attention. Like they're, you know, um, I'd rather have the personal connection. Um, but I don't know. There's no tips and tricks. I mean, the reality is it's like, it is a photo app. So, you know, quality does count of like the actual photo itself, you know, being in natural light and stuff like that. But um, I like to say I've just grown along with the account. Um, Coffee Over Cardio has a lot more followers than I do. We have 101,000, I think. We just passed uh, passed 100,000, which is really cool. Um, and I think I've just gone along, grown along with it. I don't. I'll ask people why they follow me, and it's I get tons of different answers. Like every once in a while, I'll ask. I get tons of answers. Um, you know, the most surprising being like, oh, your style. And I'm like, oh, I'm not a stylish person, but thank you. <laughs> um, so I like, I have no idea why I've grown. I think it's odd, but I just don't consider myself like your typical influencer. I'm like, oh, I'm a business owner. Right, right. I definitely agree with you with taking breaks from social media, especially Instagram. I found that during the week of the Black Lives Matter movement, when that started, it was a lot of heavy stuff and then it started to go away where I was like, well, you're not doing enough. Like you only posted a black square. Like you didn't even do this. And that was the first time I had to delete it. And fully, like I was at my boyfriend's for the weekend. So I was like, take my phone and make sure I don't re-download it. Like that's how addictive it can be. And honestly, it was so refreshing to not like open your phone every extra second you got. And you're like, Oh, I don't have the app. Okay. So I'm just not going to go on my phone then. Like it was, it was nice to take a break. After you take a break too, and if you get a little used to it and then decide to download, what I did was I actually just don't have it on my first screen. That helps. So I put it on my second one. So I have to be very intentional about going onto the app. So right. like, and then I also have the notifications of it. It lets you know how long you've been on it. So you can look at like your average time spent. And mine is like, it was three hours, which I feel like for someone whose entire business is online, that's not that bad, but I was able to actually cut it down to two hours. So I was really happy about that. So, you know, you can do that, but yeah, putting it on just like a different screen to now your home screen is really helpful. Once you get in the habit of like, kind of not always just opening it. Right. And to go back to talk about your growth on Instagram and your personal page or influencer slash personal page, and then your coffee over cardio page. I feel like you have a really good public connection with them as a whole. Like when I go to coffee over cardio, I know, Oh, Abby Scott is the CEO. Like I just, it, I just know just like buff bunny collection. I know is Heidi summers. Um, I find that there's some brands that are startups and I'm like, who created this brand? Like set active. I don't know if you've heard about them. Like they like kind of got big on TikTok and a bunch of, you know, girls would buy their sets. I'm like, who started the brand? Like, I have no idea who the founders are. So I think you're doing a really good job at, you know, balancing the two. And it doesn't matter so much about the followers per se, but between the two, it's just such a good whole. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for, so Mike and I on our own marketing agency now, um, where we basically do the marketing like we do for coffee over cardio, but for other small businesses. 
And one of the first things we always implement and we're like, okay, you're going to be the face. And a lot of people are super uncomfortable with it. And it's funny because my cast always remind me because I'll be like, I don't understand why they don't want to do it. it. Just takes practice of talking to your phone and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, it's so easy. And I'm like, first of all, it's still not that easy for me. So I shouldn't ever say that. But um, he always has to remind me, be like, literally, I had to fight you for three months to be the face of this company. And he knew from the get-go, like having a personal connection, just like you said, was so important. And it's the one thing that we implement like with every new business that we take on on our, on our marketing side is like, you have to be present because it's gonna, you know, especially as a small business, even if you grow into this massive business, like, you know, first form, you know, Andy Frisella, right? And so like, you have to have some sort of backing of like, hey, this is a real person or a real family or whatever behind it. And it makes that almost like small business feel stay active and so even if you do grow massively it's still you know you still have that connection like people it's funny because i try to just for mental health purposes and stuff like i've tried to be so strict about not doing customer service in my dms um and even with you right i was like hey can you email me absolutely and a huge part of that is because i will literally put my phone face down when i work during the day so i feel terrible if someone's like hey like i need to adjust my shipping and i don't see it and it's packed and sent and i'm like shoot I'm like customer service, please email customer service, please, 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 please. Um, and for me, it's just being able to separate the two a little bit. Um, but, but that's like for a long time, like I was like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I'll do that for you. Like I'm at extension and, um, you know, so it's being able to like, really like people feel comp like confident reaching out to me as a lot of people still think I pack packages every day. I did that for months. I will never, well, not. I do packs like on big launch days and stuff like that, but it's still not my daily job. So it's just funny because it, it's still, you still have that notion for see that I pack the packages every single day, um, which is great. I mean, I do often, I guess more often than not recently, but especially with like COVID and we stripped down a bit, but um, we, you know, we have that small business feel and there's, like I said, there's like seven of us. So, we aren't a big company. Um, so having that notion and having it be, hey, your personal brand, you know, is tied to your your company is really, really important. I think it's a huge reason why we've been successful. Right, right. And you started the little like peace sign thing behind your head. Oh, yeah. I saw like people like tagging you and it's like kind of trending. Like it's cute. I like that you have your own little like thing, you know, like your own. I don't know what to call it. Like everyone has their thing and I, I like yours. It's cute. Yeah, that's funny. It's, I looked back and it's been something I've done for, I guess, almost eight weeks now. Like me personally. And I would say in the last couple weeks, it's been like when people do it every single day and tag me and I'm like, I just looked at my story yesterday and I was like, oh my God, I think more than half of my story is just the repost because I love it so much. Um, And it's funny. So it's like, literally turned my worst angle into like my best angle. Um, but I was going through, I mean, with the pandemic, with everything, I think a lot of people have had just a really tough 2020. So I had my own things in 2020 that I was dealing with and I was going through a really, really hard time. And one of my friends, Aubrey, and if you don't follow Aubrey, she's amazing. Aubrey Bromlow, Aubrey B. Yeah, I follow her. Um, you know, she's also, she posted this quote and it was, uh, not every day is good, but there's good in every day. 
And it just like stuck with me at like whatever I was going through in those moments. I was like, wow, that's like, I need to have that mindset because I'm having such a hard time. And right now I'm not having good days, but that doesn't mean I'm not like super grateful for my husband, my family, my best friend, my dogs, you know, there is so much good in every single day. And I was like, I need to focus on that. So it turned into like, basically me like saying like it's a good day like you know just telling myself that and like like I just said like I post now like literally what's on my mind and I like try to make sure I focus like on just posting what I want to and that was just this you know I'd gone a a different my lease was up so I got a different car and I had this sunroof and I was like oh this is cute like you know you see the blue sky it's a good day and I started posting that I was like it's a good day to have a good day you know and I posted and then I had some days where like you know, I wasn't feeling 100% or whatever it was. And I was like, you know, but they're still good in every day. And I started just posting that, posting that, posting that. And that was all for myself. Like that, one of the most selfish things probably I've ever done. Um, but I've tried to be really open about mental health and stuff like that. And I think more recently I've talked about like the why of like saying I was going through a hard time and that was my focus. But, you know, and now I'm having more good days than ever. And that truly like waking up and choosing like one of those mantras, like it's a good day, have a good day, or find the good in every day, you know, one of those, and it's just set me on the right path. And it's really turned some days around. Like it's let me, you know, if something happens and, you know, I I don't let it bring my whole day down anymore. I just, you know, keep on pressing or focus, you know, my gratitude or for the the good things, Um, you know, and stuff like, you know, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, obviously those first couple of weeks were super heavy and it's not going away, um, which it shouldn't until things change. But, you know, still then again, like I had to focus on, you know, what good can I give to the community? What, you know, can I do like now, today, like those good things. And it's it's becoming trendy and it, it's funny, like I just said, it's, you know, literally half of my story right now are reposts. And it honestly just makes me so genuinely happy that people are thinking about that and maybe it's turning their day around or maybe it's helping them just like it's helped me, you know, focus on, you know, bigger picture and and not get dragged down about whatever they're experiencing today. So that's really what makes me happy. And it's, you know, I have that and I have like, if you know, you know, where I've also posted that. And, you know, if you've, if you've followed me closely for the last six, eight weeks, you've, you know, it's not something new. And it's funny, I still, I think yesterday, the day before, someone asked me, they're like, what is, you know, if you know, you know, the I, why, whatever. I was like, oh, this is, this is what, it, like, this is what the acronym means. And she's like, oh, haha, why are you posting that? And I was like, oh, new follower. I was like, because I've posted this almost every single day. Um, and I've got, like, so there's some days when this isn't, like, something to be proud of where I won't leave my house because I work mostly out of my home office. So I'll go in like the backyard with my dogs, but I'll like get up and be like, oh my God, I didn't post that. And I like, so I just go outside to the blue sky. Cause that's really what I, what I like about it. Not just in my car and I'll post it. And, you know, it's just a reminder and it's a habit. It's keeping me really focused on being positive. Uh, and it's just really helping me, but yeah, it's like trending. It's funny. Some people call it like the Abby Scott selfie and I, I don't really know, but it's interesting, but it makes me happy that people are, you know, paying attention to it and I'm hoping it helps them.
Yeah, your audience is connecting with you in a, such a positive way. So the last question I usually end these episodes off with is if you're happy with the direction of life you're currently going on, the success. Um, obviously, there's challenges, but yeah. Yes, I'm really happy right now. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff right now that's really hard in the world. Um, so I'm like especially grateful for where I'm at personally. Um, and I hope I can like impact, you know, have impact in other, other things in the world that, you know, people can't necessarily change. Um, but I mean, I'm happily married. I have two great dogs. I have an amazing house that I love. Um, and then, you know, business is going really well. It's growing. Our agency is growing, which I think with everything going in the right direction, which it's not always right. Like you have to be able to face you know, little lows when they come, but, you know, we're overcoming challenges, things are growing, a lot of things I like, I'm like, I, I can't believe it, like, it's, it's insane to me that, you know, me and Mike, who were in a 600 square foot apartment, or just thinking of the past couple of years that have been really hard, like, I'm like, wow, I could have never imagined being where we are now, like, that's insane to me, and just working on it, and now we're, look into another business and starting that up, which is really exciting. And, um, and I'm really happy. I think the one thing I would change would be probably like seeing my family more and, uh, and then my like one best friend more, they're all up in the Northeast, but, um, you know, thank God for FaceTime and hopefully travel gets a little easier soon so I can change that. But other than that, like I can't, can't complain about everything and I'm, I'm just really happy that I don't know things are just patience hard work is is playing out um so yeah that's, that's, I think that answers your question is there um sorry not is there um <laughs> can you link your social media links so everyone can check you out and I'll make sure to link it as well yes okay so easiest way is probably through at coffee over cardio I'm tagged in like half the photos um but you know, coffeeovercardio.com, at coffeeovercardio. And then my personal Instagram is annoying, and I apologize, but it's at Abby, A-B-B-B, so three Bs, E-Y, like Abby Road, and then Scott with three Ts. Uh, if you just type in Abby Scott, it will pop up, but someone else has an Abby Scott. So I was going to say, like, did you, did you have to settle for the one with the three T's? Cause somebody stole the other one. Yeah, basically. And I mean, when I changed it, I changed it to, I did a, what did I have before? I like busy fit. Um, what was it? Busy fit. Yeah. It was busy fit before, which is fine. Which was like when I started my Instagram name and well, no, I had 4am fit. Cause I was waking up at 4am to work out and then I had busy fit. And then I think like early 2018, I changed it to Abby Scott because we we're like, well, like the personal brand is going to be along with it, which is great. And Scott's my middle name too. So it's something I've oh. never really used until coffee over cardio. Um, so no one really knows my maiden name, which is fine. Um, but so Abby Scott, when I looked it up though, there's like a singer, a singer who has the name. So I don't even think if I asked her to like purchase it from her or something, I doubt she would do it. Um, but I changed it to Abby Scott and I never thought it would like be relevant where I'd be like, explaining 
oh, this is my Instagram handle. Um, but yeah, so that, it's a little annoying now, but it is what it is. Well, look where you are now. <laughs> but like I said, you can still just type it in and, and I pop up. So that's awesome. Cool. And do you have Twitter? I know you have YouTube. Um, okay, I have YouTube. I do have Twitter. God, what is my Twitter name? I like, I go on Twitter because I just enjoy it. I think I have like 400 followers, which is totally fine. Um, I'm pretty sure that is A-B-L-A-N-G-5, which Lang is my maiden name. So I don't know how to change it. I've looked into it, but if you type in Abby Scott, I'm pretty, come up. I think it comes up too, but that's just, I don't know. I just tweet random things. And then I have TikTok. So if you want to laugh at me, that's Abby Scott, like my Instagram too. So of all the things. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day, um, taking time away from your company to get on this call. And uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Really excited to uh, be here. Appreciate it. Thank you all so much for listening. And I hope you were able to take something away from Abby's journey and experiences. Don't forget to check her out on all our social media platforms. And I will see you guys in the next episode.